The following podcast is a Dear Media production. As a parent, do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Eliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising Good Humans. Hey, it's Mariana. I'm an influencer and co-founder of Summer Fridays, and this is the Life with Mariana podcast. Okay, so in this episode, this is like very crazy for me to be doing this with Michelle Fawn because I uploaded my first YouTube video in 2012. It has been almost a decade since I uploaded my first makeup tutorial. And when I uploaded it, I had no idea that it could become the career I have today. There was not really, like being an influencer wasn't really a job you could aspire to have. It wasn't like it is today. It was such a different time and you were either a blogger or you were a YouTuber. And then social media was kind of a place where you could just push the content that you were creating on other platforms. It wasn't like Instagram first. And at the time, there was a few other people who were doing this as a job who I could look up to. And Michelle Fawn was one of them. You guys know her as one of the OG YouTubers. She really like created this world of makeup tutorials online and is why so many of us have the job that we do today of being influencers. It's so amazing what she did for the influencer and content creation industry and what she did as far as working with brands and showing brands like we are valuable in what that we do. And not only did she inspire me in a sense of like being a YouTuber and creating content online, but also being an influencer who started a brand. She was one of the first to do that as well with M Cosmetics. Um, and she's got an amazing story of both of those things. And I loved hearing from her. And I, I literally have the chills saying this because it's so crazy that a decade ago, this was somebody who inspired me. And because I heard her story and what was possible, it inspired me to have the career I have today, which is why I love doing this podcast so much is because I hope you hear someone's story and you say, this is something that's possible for me. This is an opportunity that I can have. I am inspired by this person and I see that this career path is possible. And I am so happy to be able to share this with you because just like I was inspired and it changed my life. I hope that one of these episodes can do the same for you. So if you guys are loving the podcast, I would love if you could leave me a five-star rating and review and be sure to subscribe because I've got new episodes every Tuesday. Now let's hear from Michelle. Okay. So before we start, I have to tell you a story. So I started my YouTube channel in 2012 and there was only a handful of people on the internet then, and you were one of them. And you really inspired me to start my own career. And so I don't even think I would be where I am today without you. So I had to let you know how big of an impact you had on me <laughs> over almost the last decade. Wow. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And that's amazing. 2012, you were, you were pretty early too. That's super OG on yeah. YouTube. It was like, I felt like it was early and you were like one of the few people before. And also I'm half Vietnamese. And so having someone who not only looked like me, who I could resonate with, creating content that I enjoyed watching, I saw you and I saw that this was possible to do. At the time, it definitely was not like a career yet, not like it is today. Yeah, but seeing true. someone like you, I was like, oh my gosh, I could do this. This is everything I wanted to do when I grew up. And really, I feel like since then, you created this industry. Like you really were the first of your time. And so what is it like for you now seeing like something that you created just out of like the pure joy of like loving to be creative, ended up turning out into this entire business. 
I mean, it's, it's incredible just seeing, just seeing how the space has evolved tremendously. Like I, I knew the moment I first discovered YouTube, I just knew this is the future. People are going to have their own channel. TV is not going to be as relevant. Actually, TV is going to be YouTube. And it's interesting because YouTube is the new TV. Yeah, it's, it's actually incredibly rewarding. And I've also noticed how even myself included, I've also been just kind of like a child again. Like I'm, I'm like on TikTok and kind of seeing this renaissance happening again with content again on TikTok because there was a certain point on YouTube where I felt like it became too much like TV even though it wasn't supposed to be TV, but it was TV. So it's kind of weird how it tangled into what we see today of YouTube. And when I look at platforms like TikTok and how, oh, the, it really reminds me of the early YouTube days. So it's really interesting just seeing how content is evolving, how people like ourselves, you know, and even like this new generation, how they're empowered and they can have a voice. You know, there's platforms like the online spaces where they're able to kind of accentuate that voice and tell their story. So yeah, I, I, I'm proud that I was the first guinea pig and I continuing, I'm continuing this process of volunteering myself as guinea pigs for the next <laughs> innovation. I know. I feel like you're an early adapter of so many things from being an influencer turned entrepreneur and YouTuber, Bitcoin. Like there's so many things that you did first. What do you think it is about you that you feel no fear of like jumping into a new thing before it's like really proven out by others? I mean, I'm really into astrology, so the stars don't lie for me. I am Aries and I, I go in head first. I mean, we are the first on the astrology sign, the Zodiac wheel, and I'm not scared to just impulsively go in. And I'm not saying that's always the right answer because I, I do know that looking back, I've made a lot of mistakes because I was too impulsive. And so now that I'm, you know, I'm older, I'm more mellow and I have more experience. I know when to take time and really like follow through with uh, my emotions and my logic before I make a decision. But before like, I'm just, when I saw something and it just felt right, that intuition led me, I would just immediately just jump in. And if I failed, it's okay. I have the energy. I knew I had the energy and the willpower to just get back up and dust off my knees and go at it again. Yeah. And you definitely have, I feel like there's so much that I want to get into with like the various aspects of your career, but really starting from YouTube so long ago, what do you consider yourself now? Like, do you still consider yourself a YouTuber, influencer, entrepreneur? Like, how do you like to think of yourself? You know, it's interesting because I feel like every four to five years, the labels, they change because I've been a creator of digital content since I was probably 16, like 2003. I had various blogs on like GeoCities and Angel Fire. Like these were early web 1.0 blogging uh, platforms. And Zango was the one that was my sweet spot. That was a, the one where I had like 10,000 subscribers and I had amazing engagement. And it inspired me, of course, to create. And then YouTube came around and I just knew like that's a better platform where I can tell a better story and have more engagement and just be better with like connecting with my followers. So I jumped onto YouTube. But before then, I was called a blogger. And then when I was on YouTube, I was called a YouTuber. And then when I was pitching um, my ideas to raise money for the startup called Ipsy, they labeled me as a YouTuber, but I was trying to reposition myself as an entrepreneur, just like, you know, just like the people they're investing in. So I think like being an early adopter, sometimes you are often pigeonholed into being being put in a being labeled as someone that 
you don't really authentically feel like is you. So, and I've learned like now, like it's been like, I don't know how many years, like 13, 15 years. I've just learned to kind of accept the trends of what I will be called. And, you know, people want to call me like a YouTuber influencer. That's okay. But I, I know who I am. Like I've always been a creator of, of digital content and media since I, I stepped foot on the internet. And I think the words and the labels will continue to change, but I think the intention will always be the same for me. I think so too. And I think like a struggle that I have, and I feel like you're really good at this with like your boundaries is we might be an entrepreneur, YouTuber, blogger, whatever the word is, but we are so much more than that. And we are so much more than the personality that we have online. So like, how do you deal with what people think that you are and this like persona and then who you actually are? Oh yeah. That was hard in the beginning, especially when I was younger and I didn't have, um, I guess I didn't have the experience and the knowledge that I have today where I'm much more secure in myself. And so I think when early on, because I was so inexperienced, I was so insecure. I had this mentality of fake it till you make it. And that actually got me really far. I mean, I'm not doubting that at all, but I think there comes a point where you do have this weird imposter syndrome and it starts eating you up inside. So I think now my approach when I'm dealing with people who don't want to try to understand. I think I've accepted that if I'm, if I'm engaging with someone who already chooses to misunderstand me, then I have to accept that uh, we can agree to disagree. And that's totally fine. I'm not going to put out my energy to convince someone who already chose to misunderstand me. Like that's just a waste of my energy. I'm trying to conserve my energy and uh, apply it towards things that I enjoy, that I find bliss in, rather than trying to like prove a point. And that's really more for my ego at that point. And keeping that in check and kind of realigning my ego towards building something greater and, and, and good and aligning myself with that. But I think in the past, I, I wish I knew that. And that's something I, I hope people can learn from my experience is, you know, you can't convince someone who wants to misunderstand you. And, they, and it's just at that point, like a battle of egos, like you just have to be the stronger person and just politely bow out. And yeah, like follow what brings you joy is what I say to people. Okay, so I'm sitting here in my cozy clothes recording these ads. And when I'm cozy and working from home, I like to sit here in my lounge sets from Mate the Label. You guys know I love them. Um, I've worn their brand for so many years and their sets are my absolute favorite thing to wear, especially in this last year. I love to wear them from home, but their lounge sets are so cute and versatile that I can really wear them anywhere. You guys know I love my neutral color palette and they have so many neutrals that I love and they also have bold tones too. But my favorite thing about them is they're really committed to sustainability in every step of their supply chain as well as being made locally in LA. The outfit I'm wearing right now is the organic thermal crop with the wide leg thermal pants. And I actually wore this outfit on a flight to Australia from Los Angeles. So that's a 15 hour flight plus like the time of checking into the airport before and landing afterwards. So basically for 24 hours, I had on this outfit and it looked so chic to travel but also comfortable to be wearing for a very long flight. And that's really why I love their clothes so much. They have so much on their site. You guys are going to love them. They have cozy matching sets and activewear and mini mate and linens and just so many great things. And if you guys do the cozy set builder, you can get 20% off when you do a top, bottom and sweatshirt. And because they are one of my favorite brands, Mate hooked up our show with an exclusive discount. So if you want to grab some Mate and support a brand who does good for the planet and people, head over to matethelabel.com to find the pieces that you love. And if you ask yourself, do I really need this? And the answer is yes. You can use the code Mariana20 at checkout for 20% off. That's M-A-R-I-A-N-N-A 20 at checkout for 20% off at matethelabel.com. 
so much of living your life online is like numbers and stats. And it's like Mm -hmm. in no other industry are people like really like judging you every single day on views, likes, comments, like, and so it's so hard. And so I think even for me, like I try to, you want to see the good comments because those are great, but I guess that's also like feeding your ego too. But then by accident, then you see the not so nice ones. So I feel like the ego part of like so much of what we do is difficult. And I feel sometimes for like the really young influencers who are coming up now, I just feel like it's a really difficult space to even navigate this, this online world and presence. And then like the boundary of like who you are online and who like you really are in real life. And I just feel like it's really difficult. And so for advice for those young people starting out on the internet now, how could you help them maybe deal with some of the negative side of like putting yourself online? Ooh, the best advice I can give now is be secure in yourself. I think when you're trying to go in and oftentimes a lot of creators who join in and they're, they're on a platform and they're creating, they don't necessarily do it to become famous. It's mostly just for fun. And, and, and even like TikTokers that I'm meeting today and I'm asking them like, yeah, how did you blow up? How did you become like an overnight sensation? And they all tell me the same thing. It's like, oh my gosh, like I was just making a video for a friend. Or I was just doing this for fun. And it's passion. They were driven by passion. It wasn't necessarily because they wanted to become famous. And I think because of that, in a weird way, they, because they're so authentic and they're able to connect with them, their audience and their audience feel like, wow, like this is someone that I can be best friends with. This is someone that I can laugh with. And they're not doing it for fame because when you do, you can kind of tell, I think like people today are very intelligent. They're very sensitive. They're very aware. They're hyper aware, especially the youth. They know when something's authentic and not. And so most of these people, and even including myself, we, we, we did. And I'm sure even you, like you were doing it because you were driven by your passion and that's why success came. And so my biggest advice to any, anyone who is wanting to build some sort of community online is if you can, like, it's so important to be secure in yourself because I know so many people in the past who they, they weren't secure and they blew up. And of course, like when you become famous, you're open to attacks, you know, you, you become a public figure and people are all, you know, they're not always nice to public figures. And oftentimes they're not ready for that. They're not ready for so much criticism and harsh feedback and it eats them up inside. They become sad. They don't want to create anymore. And because oftentimes like these negative comments have such an effect on them they're, they're almost dictated by it. Like, oh, well, I'm not going to be authentic to myself. And then I'll make sure to please them. I'll make content that will make me seem better. And I don't want them to hate me as much. And, and it becomes conflicting and they're no longer authentic. And it just spirals out of control. And even myself, I was there at one point too, but then I just had to find my voice again. I had to remind myself who I was and I had to become secure in myself again. And that takes work. So anyone out there, like you, you have to put work in yourself. You have to work on yourself and, and take care of yourself because no one else will, but you. So that's my biggest advice is try to be secure in yourself, take care of yourself and work on yourself. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's, it's hard to, and you ended up taking a break, which we'll get to a little bit later, but I feel like in a lot of other jobs, you would have nights and weekends off, you would get holidays, but being a content True, creator, yeah. it's 24 seven. Oh, and it then it is. The highest moments of your life when it's supposed to be holidays or special days, everyone wants more from you. So you have Mm -hmm. to give yourself these breaks because no one's going to give it to you. So 
you talked about TikTokers blowing up overnight and how, you know, you've been doing this now 13, 15 years. So you built a career with longevity and that is not easy to do, especially with how fast the internet moves. So taking it back to the beginning, what do you think it was that like first really made you stand out and like made you, your channel become what it did? That's a good question. I mean, I can, before even YouTube, I can even touch base on the blog ones because I think that's interesting because I've tried so many different platforms and I couldn't really hone in on an audience. And so I was able to finally find a platform that best fit my voice at the time. It was called Zanga and it had a community. There was a lot of Asian people on there because I'm Asian, you know, you're Asian too. So we found our community. I found my community on there and I was making so many different types of content. I mean, I tried everything, but I noticed beauty was really sticking and it was the most engaging and people wanted more. So because I saw that engagement, I told myself, well, maybe I should make more beauty content. And I love beauty. I'm learning and I can share what I learn along the way and they can grow with me. And then YouTube came along and I already had an audience that was primed with my beauty content, but they've never seen me in videos, always through photos, because you know how blogs are. And so I decided to, I was actually really excited to make video content because I feel like you have so much more room to tell a story. And also it's just easier to learn through video than it is through reading and text and, and pictures, of course, like step-by-step pictures. So I was so excited to, in a way, like enhance my content creation through video. And so I did that. And I think what made it blow up was you know, I, I tell people all the time, like I wasn't the first person to invent a makeup tutorial. There was probably like a handful of them that existed when I was uploading on YouTube, but it was mostly people in a really dark room with a webcam. And it was like 15, 20 minutes long. It was, there was no edits or anything. So at that time I was in film class and I was learning a lot about commercials and the whole production on like making commercials and how they spend millions of dollars on just like 15, 30 seconds and every single second counts. Like even the, the storyboards are colored because so much work goes into that and they don't want to mess up anything. Cause most like movie storyboards are in black and white, but in commercials are a lot of the times are colored. So I actually storyboarded my makeup tutorial and I filmed it using my webcam and I kind of learned how to edit on iMovie and I took that approach I learned through commercials, like learning how to produce a commercial and edit and applied that to my storytelling when I was editing my video. And I think that's what made my video stand out was that there was music, um, there was a voiceover, it was soothing. It was different than what existed at the time with makeup tutorials. And that kind of catapulted me to the front page. And from there, yeah, from there, like I, I realized, wow, like people like this style. They like this type of vibe. It's very calming. So I'll continue to make this for them. And that was really the beginning of this YouTube journey I had with my audience. Uh, wow. The storyboarding is like, I don't even think people realize how much work that is that goes into all the preparation yeah. of YouTube. I think people see a final video and it's five, seven, nine minutes. And they're like, oh, this seems so easy to do. But really, there's so much thought in making it look effortless. Exactly. I mean, you would know. I mean, you create too. Sometimes when you see a video that's five to 10 minutes, I don't think people realize there is probably like three hours worth of content to whittle it down to like five to 10 minutes. So I, I agree. So I know a lot of us were really stressed in the last year 
It's pretty stressful with the holidays. There's a lot going on. And instead of grabbing that nightly glass of wine or two, it might lead to poor sleep or lack of energy the next day. Well, if you're trying to break that cycle, this is when you might want to explore some CBD. So I'm really happy to introduce you guys to our new podcast partner. It's called House of Wise. They're helping women take control of their sleep and stress and strength through originally formulated and effective CBD products. House of Wise launched last year in the pandemic. It was launched by a single mom and she was just looking to help her friends drink less, sleep better and make the most out of their workouts. You know, the CBD world is confusing. There's a lot of products out there, but these ones are amazing because they are sustainably sourced hemp from Colorado and the products are 100% organic, vegan and gluten-free. So one of the products that I love is the House of Wise Stress Gummies. I love the gummies. So you just take one of them and just breathe. They're amazing and they taste really good and won't make you feel groggy. So if you're having a hard time at work or you're stressed or the holidays, this is definitely going to give you that zen that you need. And speaking of gummies, they also have sleep gummies, which are amazing. I love to take a sleep gummy right when I need to have a really good night of sleep because sometimes I just have a really hard time like turning my brain off and it just helps me unwind as part of my nighttime routine. So as a podcast sponsor, House of Wise wants to give you 20% off your first purchase. Simply go to houseofwise.co, not.com, and use the promo code Mariana to redeem your discount. That's 20% off your first sleep, stress, or strength product when you go to houseofwise.co and use the promo code Mariana. At the beginning, you were starting with like natural looking makeup. When did you transition or what made you want to start trying looks? Like I remember one that I saw forever ago is like the Lady Gaga bad romance look. Oh, <laughs> was yeah. like, that was long. like, what made you want to start changing the makeup style that you were sharing? You know, what's interesting is I, I never even claimed to be good at makeup. I was just showing people how I did my own makeup and people loved it. It was very authentic. I'm not coming in from a point of view of a makeup artist. You know, I'm using like the eyeshadow sponges that comes with the palette. Like I don't have any fancy brushes. And I think there was something very authentic and endearing about that. And so when it came to the Lady Gaga makeup tutorial, again, like I loved Lady Gaga when I first discovered her, she was amazing. She was so artistic and, and I wanted to cosplay as her. And I thought, oh, that'd be kind of fun to show a video of me recreating her look because I, I loved it so much. And so I, I did it. And what's interesting was that it was one of my biggest, uh, at that time, it was like one of like the most viewed content, uh, I think during that day, because at, at that time, YouTube, YouTube's front page was very different and didn't have, the algorithm was different. It wasn't the algorithm today. I mean, they're not going to tell you this, but it's so obvious. Like they're going to push longer format because they want you to watch and stay on YouTube longer. And so the algorithm is different. But back then it was really democratic. It was more democratized. Like on the front page, you would see around the world, like what was the most viewed video? What was the most commented video? What was the most liked video that was always on the front page. And I took up like three of them. I was the most watched, most commented, and I think like most liked. And so, because I took up three of them, three spots on the front page, like it just blew up. And looking back, I, I now realized why it did so well. And I believe it's because it's transformation. People, there's this thing called like, when you, you know, like you ever go like on online and you see like a Google ad and it's saying like, or even like a YouTube video, like five ways to drink coffee that will change your life, right? You'll see stuff like that and you'll want to click on it. Like, oh my, I drink coffee. I want to know. And it's that information gap. It's the fact that it's this one simple thing you have to know that will completely transform your life. It's so simple. And just kind of baiting that inf information gap um, 
is an amazing way to get people to want to click and engage with your content. And they want to know, like, they want to know what is that secret? What is that thing? And so I think like with my Lady Gaga tutorial, they just saw, wow, like you can, you're Asian and you can completely transform yourself and look like a, a different ethnicity with like a wig and makeup. It's that information gap. And people love seeing transformations. They, there's in a way, like they're kind of um, drawn towards wanting to know like, oh, what is that secret? And so I think that's, there's another reason why that became a viral video too. It wasn't just Lady Gaga. It was like a bunch of other factors that now, like I'm looking back, I'm able to kind of dissect it a bit more and understand the, the network effect that it had. And that's why like today on Instagram and TikTok transformations, they do so well. Like most people don't even watch how you do it. They just want to see before and after. And that's enough for them, you know? Yeah. Like I'm never going to do this. What Like I don't really cook, but I love food and I watch full cooking videos. Not that I'm ever going to even make it. I just want to see how somebody else did and yeah, I want to see the exactly. final recipe. Right. Anyway, now you have had this career with longevity and I feel like there's so many influencers coming up so fast. I love to be able to see it, but because the internet's moving so fast, what advice would you give to people to have a longer career? So it's not just one viral video, mm. like you can really turn this into a business for yourself with longevity. I mean, if you want longevity, it's don't FOMO, you know, don't chase after every shiny oh, light. Wow. I mean, that's the truth. It's, and yeah. the funny thing is because I'm in the crypto space, it is the most FOMO space more than any space I've ever been in my life because there's always something new happening every single second. And so in this case with like creators, you know, if there's like a viral trend, like, yeah, you can do it and it's probably going to get a lot of views. But if you are not known for having like a certain point of view where you build with a community that knows you for that point of view, they follow you for that. If you're only going to be known as someone who's just chasing after trends, how are you going to build a community that's going to stay with you? That's going to want to grow with you and learn with you and connect with you in a meaningful way. Like, sure, if you don't chase after these trends, you might not have the crazy views, but at least you have engagement if you stay true to what you love um, and you grow with your audience and you're inspired by what inspires you rather than chasing after this moving target called trends. And so I think like certain platforms, it does work better because the content is shorter. So like TikTok, I, I think TikTok, it's fine to chase after trends because it doesn't take that long to make a video, to do a dance to do a reaction. It's like 15, 30 seconds. Right. But the thing is with TikTok though, what I'm noticing too, even with, with TikTokers I know is eventually they hit a, a ceiling that's even faster than a YouTuber ceiling. So a YouTuber, if you're consistent, you have a good audience, you can have an amazing career for like two, three, four years. I mean, if you're really adamant about it and you're growing and you're staying connected and you're good at like being aware of like what videos are not performing and what, what, what videos are doing well. And in a way, like kind of capitalizing off of that, but uh, TikTok, the window is the ceiling is shorter. I would say like probably like a two year lifespan. And then after that, you start seeing a dip in viewerships and everything because like the algorithm, again, like these are things that we, we as creators, we don't control. We can't control the algorithm. It's controlled by something else. And again, like I do believe the algorithm is a trend. It's a lot of people are trying to chase after it. They're trying to make content so that it's your, uh, they're trying to make content that favors the algorithm so that their content is going to be pushed in your recommendation in your feed and everything when you go on YouTube or when you go on TikTok or even on Instagram. 
And so this is why, like, I've been noticing, like, wow, like, in the past, like, 15 years, I've been noticing how there's definitely more power now in the hands of the engineers and developers at these platforms that are controlling the algorithm. And in a, in a way, like, it kind of just makes me sad in a way, too. But I feel like because of that, especially creators who are growing and they feel like they're not growing anymore. And like I mentioned before, that FOMOing happens. We see like a decline in creativity. It becomes more like clickbait, kind of like YouTube in 2016. There was this era where like everyone had like neon colors. Everything was just neon colors. Everything's going to become thumbnail. very ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm like, what are these titles? Yeah. What are these videos? It felt more entertainment than informational. Yeah. And, and every, I would say every platform goes through that cycle. Every single platform goes through that cycle. I mean, I saw it back in Zanga and that happened. And that's when I was like, I'm going to dip out of Zanga and I'm going to go on YouTube because I'm not going to try to compete and be the loudest because I'm not the loudest. I'm an introvert. I don't like taking up a lot of space. I'm very quiet. Like when you meet me in real life, unless I really know you and I'm really close to you, then yeah, I'll like talk your ears off, but very like quiet and very much an introvert. And that was just not something that was for me, even though it can be something for someone else. And that's totally fine. But I think like what ends up happening is a lot of creators feel pressured into being, becoming someone that they're not, and then they get lost and then they need to take a break. They're burnt out. And it's like this whole cycle. And I, I have to admit, like a lot of it is the algorithm. I don't think it's fair that creators who earned a subscription, who earned a subscriber or follow, they actually earned it. It's not bought. It's someone who genuinely wanted to follow them and be updated with their content. I think it's so unfair that they're not able to, when they post a video, that there's no notification. Like on YouTube, yeah, you have to click on the notification bell, but who's actually going to do that? Have you done that? I haven't done that. You know, and I use YouTube. I don't even do that. That's so much work. And even with Instagram, I know like, some of my friends who have like, like 11 million followers, again, like the algorithm, they, their content is not showing up on my feed and their viewership is dropping. And, and so because of that, they're not going to be able to secure sponsorship brand deals that, you know, are wanting them to hit a certain number. And that becomes so messed up in their head, their mental health. They feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm no longer valuable because like we put a number with the creator, like you're only valued based on how many people think you're popular. So, you know, high school, high school has become social media, but on steroids. And that's the unfortunate truth. And of course, there's a way for you to gamify it. Like if you like doing that, you can climb up and rank up, but not everyone has an appetite for that. Cause at the end of the day, we're humans, you know, like we want to be able to enjoy our time for ourselves. Just like you said, like the internet is a 24 seven open shop. We're not going to be able to take a break. We take even like a week off, like that's it. I mean, for a TikToker, <laughs> you're done. Oh you have God, to upload yeah. at least four times a day on TikTok yeah. to stay, to stay relevant. And, and like I said, it's, it's the algorithm. It's something that no one really has control over. And that's why, that's why I'm, I'm really bullish on just like this new space, like Bitcoin decentralization, just taking power back in your own hands, like self-sovereignty. And that's like another topic we can talk about, but yeah, like I've just, I've seen it all. I've been through it and I'm seeing a lot of creators who are blowing up, who blew up last year. They're now kind of like, you know, it's uh, the calm is coming, but they're feeling anxious because it's like, wait, what happened? I thought people wanted to see me. So people don't like me. And 
it's now I have to remind them like, no, no, dude, it's, it's, or, you know, it's not you, it's, it's algorithm. Like your content is great. Your value is not set in stone with these numbers, you know? Oh, guys, I just can't believe we are basically here at the holidays now. And I already know how stressful it can be to find the perfect gift for your friends or family just in time for the holidays. I know I'm always trying to like play Secret Santa and I'm trying to figure out what gift to give everybody. And I've got a lot of people in my life I need to buy gifts for. And I don't want to just get something like a gift card. I want to get something actually everybody loves. And there's one thing that I know everyone will like in my life, and that's a good hoodie. So the classic full zip hoodie from American Giant is the perfect holiday gift for everyone, including yourself. And I love to be comfy at home, but I don't want to compromise on style. But with American Giant's obsession with quality details, you can be cozy and stylish. I love the classic full zip hoodie. It's got this heavyweight cotton, but it's still so soft and it feels so comfortable all at the same time. There are really great premium details. They've got ribbed cuffs, double reinforced elbow pads, and double lined hood. They've also got great colors. They've got the classic ones like black, iron, and Oxford blue. And one that I really love for this time of year is rose hip. It's such a pretty color and it feels perfect for fall and winter. So I love that it's also this heavyweight cotton and it can withstand wash after wash and it's made to last years or even decades. And when you buy from American Giant, you can feel good in your clothes and feel great about supporting local manufacturers, workers, and communities. So explore American Giant's collection of durable essentials at American-Giant.com and you can get 20% off when you use the code Mariana at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code Mariana. Okay. I want to talk about your digital disappearance because we were just talking about FOMO and all of that. And for people that don't know, explain a little bit about what happened, what this was, why you did it. Yeah. So 2016, it was kind of like my peak, I would say. And it was a peak I chose. It's not like, oh, I peaked and then I no longer became relevant. It's like, no, like I was just becoming too popular, too famous. I was on the front cover of Forbes with ASAP Rocky. I was on the front cover of Nylons. I was on CNN. Like everyone was talking about me, not as a YouTuber, but as an entrepreneur who founded a unicorn company, Ipsy. On paper, everything looked amazing. But like I said, like I'm an introvert. I didn't come on YouTube to become famous. I was just trying to create, connect. And in a way, like I'm a nerd, you know, I just like, I just like tech and everything. And it just happened so fast. And in a weird way, like I felt like I, my future flashed before my eyes if I took this path where keep grinding, keep being more famous, securing more deals, don't even take care of yourself, just be this person. And I realized I don't even know this person. I don't even know if I want to be this person. And I don't even know if I, if I want this. I don't think I have the appetite for this. And I decided like, you know, if this is really like the peak, then this, I'm going to choose this is going to be my peak. I'm going to choose that this was how people remembered me, was me like being on all, all these magazine covers and just this glory of what I was. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to choose it. And now I'm going to dip out because I'm tired. I'm burnt out. This is a good way to dip. because In a way, like it's like this saying that an old friend of mine said, like, you want to dip at the height of the party. Like you don't want to stay at like 2 a.m. while everyone's leaving and people see, still see you. They They want to remember you as like, oh yeah, like, that person, yeah, I remember like height of the party, they just left. And so I told myself like, okay, this is, this is the height of my own party. This is a good time to dip. And so I did just that. I had an amazing time just like kind of just traveling, total cliche. I took a sabbatical. I was able to kind of 
focus on myself, work on myself and take time to just be in nature. You know, like I was always on my phone for the past, at that point, 10 years straight, computer, my face or a phone. So I just wanted to be around nature. I wanted to be in a place where I could find tranquility and peace. And the fact that I was even able to afford that for myself, because I know most creators, they can't just leave their station. They have, they're constantly at the mercy of, of either streaming or making content. It's like this 24, seven, 24, seven hour, 24 hour job. Like you said, seven days a week, we can't just take a break. And so I told myself, wow, like I'm so lucky that I can just do this. And so I told myself, well, if I have this opportunity to do this, then I want to learn as much as I can so that when I come back, I want to share what I, what I learned and, and how important it is to take time for yourself. Because I think like, especially being American, like we have this mentality of just working a lot and then adding, adding another layer of being a social creator, a social, a social media creator is just like, (laughs) it's like just adding like rocket fuel to like a fire. It's just going to explode. So yeah, I took the time to just travel. I went to Egypt. I've always wanted to go to Egypt and I had an amazing activation there that kind of opened up my mind. And I came back just like so refreshed. And I think because I was refreshed, I had a new perspective. I wanted to, I had, because I was able to reorientate myself, I wasn't just trying to like go down this linear path that everyone was trying to tell me to do. Like, do this, do this, do this. And then people will know you as this. It's like, no, like life isn't, life isn't like a Google maps, you know, like we're all so different and we're all, we're all going to have our own blueprint. We're all going to have our own, our own path that we're going to want to take for ourselves, and maybe not even take a path, like travel off path. And that's totally fine. And that was something I wanted to do was take, go off path and see what happens in a weird way. It does sound very destructive, like self-destructive, but it was my way of being a rebel one and two. It was my way also of being true to myself because that's what I did when I first went on YouTube was it was a rebellion. Like no one knew what this was. No one, like, it wasn't just a place to get popular. It was a place to tell a story and to connect with people and to have a point of view. And so in order for me to have a point of view, then I need to think differently. I can't think like everyone else. And so taking that hiatus and traveling and, and immersing myself into the world, I was able to have this new point of view that was interesting at least, and gave me the ability to secure certain investments that have changed my life, like Bitcoin. It just reminded me that life isn't a competition. I think for a while before I took my hiatus, I was so competitive. I mean, I'm Aries, so I'm super competitive, but I was competing against everything. And I didn't even know why. (laughs) It's like, you don't ask yourself like why you do things. I think taking that break, I was able to ask myself why. And again, it goes back to, I was insecure. I needed validation. And it all stems from that insecurity. And so being able to work on myself I was able to now finally move forward and I'm no longer creating out of necessity. I'm creating out of inspiration. I'm creating because I have something to share rather than, like I said, chasing after that moving target, getting more views, yada, 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 and so forth. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it was... I remember when it happened and like, oh my gosh, like I, I, it just seems like such a daunting thing to do. And whether people are creators or whatever is going on in their career or personal life, 
doing something like that, you know, you have to really trust your gut that this is a move you want to make. So Mm -hmm. for other people who might be struggling with wanting to make a big change in their life like this or stepping back from something, do you have any advice for them of, you know, how to listen to their intuition? Yeah. You know, like what I did was very drastic because I, I needed it. So that was something I chose, but I don't think it's for everyone. But I believe you can do small things in your life that can that can just help shift your point of view. So like little things, like there is this really amazing book I, I read. I, I didn't finish reading it though, but it's called You Are a Placebo by Joe Dispenza. And I mean, like his story is incredible. Like he was someone who became completely paralyzed. Doctor said he would never walk again. And I, and you know, he's a doctor, mind you. He was able to teach his brain and basically create new neuropathways in his, in, in his mind, in his brain. And he was able to recover and heal himself and then walk. Because every single day he would tell himself, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk, even though he couldn't. And he did. And it was his conviction, his will. And so he teaches people how to rewire your brain and how like actually most of us, we have the same thoughts every single day. I think it's like we have the same like 70,000 thoughts every single day. And so if you have the same thoughts, you're going to have the same decisions and you're going to do the same stuff. And so how are you going to have a change in your life if you continue to think the same way? And so little things on like the smallest things you can do, like some people listen to the same playlist, like add a randomizer, you know, maybe try to, to listen to a new playlist, you know, force yourself into like a new, like getting your, getting your mind into creating new thoughts, like small things like that, or like trying new food. It could start as small as that and then grow even bigger, like meeting new people. Like you keep talking to the same people over and over again, the same circle. Like you are who, you know, you are who you surround yourself with, right? Like try to meet someone new. Like when you're invited to a dinner party, like sit next to someone you don't know and just talk to them. I know it sounds weird. I would never do that, but I, I started to do it and it really opened up my mind. It, it showed me, I was able to make such amazing, meaningful connections by just talking to new people and not going in my same circle of friends that I normally go to when I go to events and parties and stuff. So it could start as small as that. And then it starts to, and it starts to kind of like amp up into bigger decision-making, you know, I'm reading another book of his right now, breaking the habit of being yourself. I'm only at the very beginning of it. It's been great so far. And it's definitely like something you have to like read, like you know, actively read, like it's not like a passive book, but I definitely started implementing some of it into my routine already. And sometimes I feel like someone tells you things and you're like, why didn't you think of this? This makes so much sense. And that's how I feel when I'm reading this book. And so, so far, so good. And then as far as like, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, I feel like there's two things. Like when you go to events, you get a plus one. So I feel like my plus one was always my security blanket. And if I didn't get a plus one, my phone was always my security (laughs) blanket. And it was like, if I was ever uncomfortable or awkward, I would always just grab my phone. And something a friend of mine did was she had a bunch of people over to her house for like dinner and game night. And she made us all put away our phones at the front of the house. So we actually had to like talk to each other and hang out. And everybody had the best night because we actually had to be present with each other, which is a smaller form of, you know, taking a big digital detox. But even small things like that, I feel like really are helpful. Yeah, it adds up. It really does because, you know, just like in the book, like we we just have to think new thoughts. And when you think new thoughts, you make new decisions and then it just changes your life. Okay. So talking about changing your life, I want to go into M Cosmetics because this part of your career, you know, post Ipsy, 
is amazing as well. And okay, so first I want to talk about starting the brand with L'Oreal. What does that mean to launch your brand with another company like that? And what made you want to eventually buy it back? I mean, at the time when they approached me and they wanted to create a brand with me, I mean, I was completely ecstatic. I mean, they've they've never actually created a brand. I mean, L'Oreal is notoriously known for a lot of like M&As. They just buy brands and they scale it into a billion dollar business. So for them to want to create something with me was an incredible honor that I was really excited to start a journey with. So I always tell people like, um, those days were like a masterclass for me. Like I was learning from one of the, the largest cosmetics conglomerates in the world, learning how to create makeup, learning about the logistics, the manufacturing side, the vendors, learning about the structure, everything. I learned a lot. And at that time, I was so inexperienced. I was still very young. I, I tr- really trusted in them. In them. They I mean, they kind of told me like, hey, we've been in this business for like a hundred years. We know what we're doing. Like, okay, cool. I'm just going to learn and trust in your decisions. And I didn't really have a lot of decisional powers when it came to like price points and like how many products I wanted to launch. I mean, it was really up to the internal team who was in charge of that. Um, but, you know, I, I enjoyed the process, but, you know, when we launched it completely flopped and there's like so many videos on YouTube, I'm sure like Reddit forums that will dissect why it flopped, but I knew why it flopped. You know, it was too expensive. Um, the price points were uh, too high at the time for my uh, audience who were still like in high school and college. They're not going to be able to afford a $75 palette, even though like the quality was really good. But the other reason why it flopped too was the just the design wasn't there. I mean, again, I didn't really have a final say on what I wanted it to look like, even though we had this amazing program. It was a very important learning process for me because after it flopped, I was able to really see like, you know, you kind of see people's true colors when things go south. And so I learned a lot from that process too, internally with the people on the brand. And I realized, well, like if I truly want to create something that is that aligns with my vision, I need to own it. It needs to be mine. I need to make the decision. I need to hire the people I want to hire. And so I did just that. Like I bought the brand from L'Oreal. It wasn't easy, but it happened. Uh, thank goodness. There were super, you know, in the end, like, you know, no bad blood or anything. And, but then when it was owned under Ipsy, because Ipsy bought it and I was a founder of Ipsy, again, it wasn't truly mine. I didn't 100% own it. And so like a year later, I decided that it was probably best for me to part ways with Ipsy. It got to a point where Ipsy just became like this. It was, it was too big for me. I don't really like working at a big company. I tried at L'Oreal. wasn't for me. Ipsy was small. It was perfect. Then it became too big. You know, I'm, I'm someone who started off in my bedroom. I, if there's more than 40 people in a room, like it's, it's too much. And so I decided it was time for me to go. I was really proud of what I built, but I was ready to kind of do something uh, for myself. And so I bought the brand M and I was able to uh, cherry pick the team that we currently have today that, I mean, they're just incredible, like just incredible women who are, who are my colleagues. And we wanted to create products that one match the quality that we were looking for. And two was affordable. I mean, 
I don't claim that M is luxury, but some of our formulations are on par with some of the biggest luxury brands because I know the vendors and I know uh, how much it costs to like get some of these formulations, but we're not charging uh, that big, big beauty luxury price um, because I want, I want, I want it to at least be accessible for people who are looking for that quality without that hefty price tag. And yeah, that, that was M and I wanted to take my time. I didn't want to launch 300 products at once. I wanted to launch one at a time. And I know it wasn't exciting when I relaunched the brand. Like we came out with some eyeliners and some liquid lip. We had some other formulations and products in the pipeline that would take a few years to develop. And that was okay. I really believed in quality and I wasn't, Again, like I wasn't trying to FOMO. I wasn't trying to chase after trends. I really stayed true. And so like one of our, our, our launches that kind of put us on the map that made us interesting in the eyes of the community was Serum Blush. At the time, like no one was really, or the trend wasn't about like skincare makeup. Like now you're seeing like a lot of brands are launching skincare makeup. But back then, like it wasn't really prevalent in the space. And I, you know, I, I love skincare. Like I even love your brand. So skincare is always going to be I'll always put skincare first before makeup. And, but the thing is like, I didn't launch a skincare brand. I had makeup, but I wanted to, again, it's, it's my authenticity. I wanted to, uh, to create something that aligned with my values and wanted to add skincare benefits into a makeup product. And so serum blushes were created. And then we did lip cushion, which is a lip treatment that has beautiful colors and finishes super luxury super luxury formula and texture. Um, and people started to take notice of us again. Like they're like, wow, like M is actually making really good products or not like what, what was remembered back when L'Oreal launched it with me. Um, it's completely elevated. It's totally different. I have my own point of view. And till this day, like we are still sticking to that philosophy. Like we're very form formula focused, texture fo focused. Um, we do like crazy intensive color development. Like there's this one shade uh, that we're launching next year that took us like a year just to, just to develop one color to get it wow. right. Because like, I don't have funding from other people. I'm bootstrapping this myself. Like I could technically go out, raise a bunch of money and then launch a lot of products, but I, I can't, you know, because of cash flow. And also I know the moment I raise a lot of money, I I won't have the freedom that I have right now, which M is like a sandlot to me. I can just build whatever I want. And yeah, like and not have that pressure of, oh, we need to meet this number. So we have to launch this. So what is mm -hmm. it? Like glitter, <laughs> glitter eyeshadows are popular. Like launch it. It's like, oh, I don't really want to launch glitter eyeshadows. Yeah. I feel like you have the blessing of having hindsight now where a lot of people start small and then they go big to, you know, a larger parent company and you went the opposite way. So, you know, being in this situation now, what is a positive from being an independent brand? Ooh, the positive is you can, you have so much freedom and flexibility. Uh, you can be as small as you want or as big as you want. So I would say that is the biggest plus is the freedom, which I never had. I've never had this freedom ever, ever, ever. Not with L'Oreal, not with Ipsy, not with anything I've ever done, even maybe YouTube to a certain extent. But like I said, the algorithm, you know, I'm still at the mercy of the algorithm if I want to have like viral hits, right? And that's what I told myself is I'm not meant to chase after viral hits. I'm not going to try and force a viral hit. I'm just going to stay true 
to my point of view. I'm going to create things that I'm really proud of. And I don't, I'm not going to be dictated by trends or anything. And I'm staying true to that with everything I do. It may not make sense now, but maybe in the future it will. And you know what? It doesn't have to make sense. Because again, like it all boils down to being secure with yourself. As long as it makes sense to you and, and you enjoy it and you feel really proud of what you're creating and you're present with it too. So for me, like, I'm just happy that with my team, like I know everyone, like we're friends and everyone in the M team, like they love working at the office. They work at the office, like around like four days out of the week, actually no, three days out of the week. And then they work from home uh, twice a week. And so we have like, we're, I'm very adamant about creating a healthy work-life balance. And sometimes like you're going to have days and you know this, right? Cause you're a brand owner too. You're going to have like, you know, you're going to have like all nighters because of a launch, but overall net positive. When I compare it to other conglomerates and companies that overwork people, underpay them, underappreciate them. I don't want that for my own brand. And so for me, I have that control where I can change things if I want to, unlike in before I, I couldn't, I didn't really have that voice. I didn't really have that power. So I think that's probably the biggest lesson I learned is when you have self-sovereignty, you have your own power. Mm-hmm. But on the negative side, because you're bootstrapping it, you don't have a lot of marketing <laughs> money. Like I, I'm not in Sephora. I'm not in, I'm not in retail yet because it's, you know, like it's very expensive and I need the cash flow to main, you know, to pay my employees. And so that's why we're still DTC because the margins are better. Mm-hmm. But eventually, like, yeah, like if I want to go into retail, then for sure I'll probably raise money for that. And at least like I'm ready for it and I'll have plans and everything. And just in a in a way, I think what's important is being financially responsible, like so much, oftentimes like people will raise money and will just blow all the money and raise again and raise again and raise again. Like that's not something I want for my own brand because then you dilute your shares, you dilute your equity. And so you no longer own it anymore. And that's not something I want. I think you need to like teach a masterclass on like business for creators, because I feel like you've been on the side, so many sides of it now and through so many different businesses, there's so much to learn from you. Okay. I have one last question. So you've you have done so many things now that you've taken a step back, come back, bought your company back, done so many things. What does success mean or look like to you? Hmm. That's a good question. I guess it's different for everyone because we all have different values. Like for some people it's owning a mansion for others. It's as long as I can do what I love and I can put food on the table and pay for this roof over my head. I think for me, it's so personal, but Success to me is being able to bring value into a space, whether it's in beauty, whether it's in content, information, education, as long as I can bring value, that's what success means to me. And oftentimes when you follow through with that philosophy, money comes, money or influence, it always comes because people people know what's good. People like what's good. And and I think that's important. Like you, you have to align yourself with what, what is good within yourself and then it'll show through. Well, you've definitely done that. You have been somebody who was an example for me that changed my life and my career to where I am today, even if you didn't know it. And I'm sure there's so many other people who feel the same way. And so thank you so much for your time. Where can everyone find M? M is online at mcosmetics.com. And yeah, that's it. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next.